Welcome to the Leaders Team podcast, made for school leaders by school leaders. Welcome to the latest Leaders podcast, the podcast created by school leaders for school leaders. My name is Rebecca Stott. I'm Schools Thought Partnership Lead here at, at Twinkle, and I'm joined today by Natterhub CEO Caroline Allams, an experienced school leader who's developed an innovative platform for teaching online safety in the classroom. Thank you very much for joining us here today, Caroline. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, first of all, can you tell us a little bit more about your own background and kind of what inspired you to develop Natterhub? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my background is uh, education. I'm a former teacher and senior leader. Um, my expertise really are um, based in EYFS and Key Stage 1, um, although I've taught up to Year 8. Um, I am passionate about social and emotional development um, and understand how that can really create the foundation for academic success. And I've been really fortunate to have taught in um, quite a few international schools, um, some high profile international schools who, who, who have been really forward thinking in their um, in their approach to developing social and emotional learning so that children really have the opportunity to, to thrive. Um, and and so in um in developing the the tool that we're you know going to be coming on to um really um i i this this background in in um eyfs and key stage one and this this need for um social and emotional development um makes me an unlikely candidate for a for a tech tool really <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. That's that's a really interesting bit of context, um, context there. Um, so thinking about your knowledge drawing from schools and what you've been learning whilst developing Natterhub, what do you think is the biggest challenges that's currently facing schools in terms of online safety? Um, wow, that's a big question. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of fear around children and being online. And um, we've been on this rapid journey since um since COVID, um, pre-COVID, um, everybody was concerned about time spent on screens. How long should children be online? How long should, be they, should be, they be staring at a screen? And, um, and, and then COVID came along and then we were demanding children stay on screens for as long as possible. Stay on the screen to stay connected, to keep learning, to um, to continue um, being busy because we as parents were all busy as well and needed children to be occupied. So there's, there was a really quick shift um, towards um, to what children were doing on screen over how long children were on screen. Um, this, of course, um, meant that children were quickly distracted away from what they were supposed to be doing. Um, the, the internet was never designed with children in mind. And, and yet here we are with, with children absolutely being connected um, and um, living and playing and learning in this, what is essentially an abstract space. Um, when you think about primary age children in, a, in the abstract space of the internet, it makes it very difficult for them to perceive potential risk um so um they are likely candidates for um becoming vulnerable um so where there is risk 
um, and, and where there's risk offline, you've got um, lots of risk online for, the, for those children. Um, but it means that um, the schools are dealing with the fallout of children encountering that, that online risk. Um, now, what children believe, what, what they see, they, they believe to be true. Um, and of course, um, without any understanding of the, you know, the multifaceted sort of virtual world, it, it's difficult for children to to um, to understand those those digital spaces and and to be safe. So I think really the biggest um, issue for schools is not uh, children understanding the functionality of of technology. We all know that we've been impressed with young children being able to swipe across screens when they're 18 months old and, oh, they can use that app better than me and look how fast they are doing, you know, um, doing that activity. But actually what children um, are find more difficult is the interactivity of being online. And I think that we shouldn't assume that because children can cope with the functionality that they can necessarily cope with the nuance of, of digital communication. Um, and and so we know from speaking to pastoral heads, from deputy heads, um, uh, that they are dealing every day with the fallout of primary age children being on group chats, um, children coming into school having been, um, you know, playing on games that are not appropriate for their age groups, concerns around social media, um, children being um, in chat rooms, um, and all of the, the statistics around uh, children being in these essentially adult spaces, um, or at least for children older than primary age children, is that um, as a result of the pandemic and as a result of spending more and more time online, um, we've seen a real sharp rise in online vulnerability. We work very closely with the Internet Watch Foundation. They deal with the very darkest aspects of children being online. They remove videos and images of children who've been coerced into um, creating this content um, of uh, online sexual abuse. And we know from their data that there's been um, a, re a really alarming increase in um, children who have been targeted to create this content. And uh, and that spike in, in statistics has been with children aged 7 to 11. In particular, um, it's girls aged 7 to 11. Um, and this is very much then a primary school issue. Um, and so I think to, to summarise, what, what, what are some of the biggest challenges with children being online? Um, the fear aspect doesn't make it then easy for, for parents and educators to, to um, handle something where the consequences are so grave. Um, but also, we know that teachers are incredibly busy. Um, every every um, Every issue that's happening outside of school seems to land on the lap of the teachers so for them to be able to spin plates and oh and, and now you need to manage you know online vulnerability is is a big ask um, but it's a very relevant 
um, you know, skill set that, uh, that that needs to be tackled in order for children to really thrive in an online environment. I, I think you've raised some really important points there. I think schools are grappling with that because obviously this year, 2023, keeping children safe in education, greater emphasis again has been placed on the notion of online safety. Um, from your experience of sort of working with schools, how are they currently delivering online safety and is it the most effective way to be doing that? There's a like all schools. There's a there's a real spectrum of of approaches and um, and a spectrum of capacity to to deal with um, something that appears, as you said, in the keeping children safe in education. But it's also in the RSHE. It appears in PSHE. It's also in the computing curriculum. So it's a topic that really spans a, a broad a broad spectrum. Um, and what's interesting as well is the, the you know, we we welcome the the emphasis in in the Casey document um, because actually we've seen since the launch of Natahab we've seen a shift from um, being approached from computing leads um, over to safeguarding leads because actually when you think about online safety it's far more a safeguarding issue um, than than occasionally then then it is a, a, a computing issue um you know it's, it's interwoven um but we're talking about vulnerability we're talking about giving children the soft skills that underpin positive digital citizenship we're talking about the emotions and the human aspects of children of children being online um now lots of schools are using online safety resources that provide teachers um with large volumes of information around different platforms different games are you aware of these kinds of privacy settings i you know and and that's very overwhelming it's overwhelming for teachers when they may not themselves be that confident in you know with technology or using um or using um, particular platforms and games. Um, so then asking them to teach online safety from a knowledge um, perspective is, is, is quite, can be quite overwhelming. Um, but we know that there are lots of online safety. There's lots of online safety information out there, um, but we know from teachers that they often will say, oh, the children know more than me. I don't know where to start. And, it, and often it's the same for parents as well. So there can be some reticence around embarking on conversations specifically around TikTok or Roblox uh, or Minecraft when that educator is not familiar with, with how those platforms are used. So... I think what happens um, in terms of ticking boxes, ticking curriculum boxes, is when a school, you know, perhaps buys into a scheme that's offering, um, you know, a stack of information or a, a website that's full of um, detail around different trends and um, and different platforms is it's ticking the box, but it's the um, impact on the children is only as, as good as the confidence of the teacher delivering it. Um, so I think it's really good to use child child facing content when it comes to um, you know online safety, digital citizenship, and and our approach is that you know we looked at the the pedagogy of um, you know really what what are teachers best at. They are best at managing behaviour and setting boundaries in in 
different spaces around schools. So if we um, ask teachers to manage online behaviour, what is it that they that they need in order to um, to teach online behaviour? So Nata Hub is a is a is a safe gated platform that allows children to digitally interact and it encourages um it encourages the children to understand how to self-protect the need for um, um it, it gives them the, the tools to um understand uh, how to communicate it looks at their relationship with technology it looks at their relationships that they carry out through technology and it's really the connectivity and behavior that we really focus on as a as a scheme of work and although we are we are absolutely uh ticking the curriculum boxes of of what we've previously said around rshe and casey and um computing etc but what we're doing is making it feel manageable because we're encouraging um this focus on um how far do you go um you know when you are communicating online whether you are five you're seven you're nine you're 11 and and this spiral curriculum then um opens up opportunities for the children to learn about um being in digital different digital spaces understanding all of the um all of the aspects of being online whether that's passwords whether that's using the right kind of language when we communicate whether it's questioning content it's also looking at um you know teaching children around gut feel when something's not right it's raising the profile of trusted adult it's um it's raising the awareness and need for empathy and open-mindedness and respect so it's not just about the online safety we kind of think of as a as a safety ring like there you go you're not gonna you're not gonna drown if you if you've got a safety ring on uh because you're floating on the surface well we don't think it's enough just to stay safe online and we see absolutely the need to shift how we how children are taught to behave online um we can't rely on the on the internet to role model that for us so actually let's let's shift that tide and um rather than just giving children a, a safety ring so that they can float um let's give them really the the, the strong swimming um you know skills and techniques so that they can really thrive on online and and um and communicate in a positive way and i think that's so so important because obviously with the rise of ai at the moment the career landscape's changing so we're going to live in a very very multimedia landscape so how do you think like your teaching your platform can can help students to thrive in in this new new world they're going to be working in um, yeah, that's a great question and one that we've obviously been talking about internally and, and developing content according to um, this ever-evolving space. But um, really, I think the, the need for critical thinking and those soft skill development is really, is really key. Um, which is why we focus so much on the tool in creating this environment that for children is exciting. It looks and feels a little bit like social media. It resonates with the spaces that they are using outside of school. But meanwhile, we've we've 
um, built it with teachers in mind, with teachers needing to keep control in a class of 30 people, um, to keep the pace of a lesson, to align to the curriculum, to be able to um, assess and, and hold on to that data of how children have performed and keep evidence of all of those lessons. But actually the experience for the children is immersive and exciting and they get to understand how you know responding impulsively in a digital space may lead to um you know maybe not necessarily the right response but again because all of these experiences are, ca are carried out in a very structured lesson framework with a teacher they're learning almost the, the metacognition of of being in that digital environment understanding how it feels um and being able to um communicate respectfully and um and sensitively with their peers. And when we think about AI, and, and you know, that is right there, it's right there in front of us coming down the road. Um, and for, for children and, and in primary schools and for primary school teachers, there's gonna be a, a need to quickly, you know, kind of jump on the horse. Um, and, and we know historically that that's not always been easy for primary schools. They're either restricted by budgets or they're restricted by um, capacity to, you know, improve um, knowledge or upskill. Um, and that was one thing that the, that the um, pandemic um, was was useful for. If that's not really the right word to use about a pandemic, but what it did offer offer schools, it offered schools the opportunity to quickly upskill their teachers through necessity. And I think that we we need to have a similar approach with with AI. And again, looking at early intervention, looking at pre-literacy skills, early numeracy skills, all of the hard work that goes into EYFS pre-reading skills, all of those skills and um, that happens in the early years and, and key stage one and right through primary school, that is all in place so that children can be ready to read and ready to be uh, numerically or digitally or, or, or you know, literate. So I think it, it's key that we understand the need for critical thinking um, for AI, um, the need for language development. And this is something that really interests me um, so that children do have the language skills and the analysis skills um, to be able to infer and uh, and request um, AI to perform in in a in a targeted way, so that they are staying in control of the technology. And I think without giving children um, a space that's been specifically designed for them to develop those skills, it's it it's impossible to expect then teachers to teach. Um, you know the, the the skills that they need. I think the last time we spoke, Rebecca, um, we mentioned the analogy around uh, teaching children to swim, um, and I think it's it's worth mentioning um, that without um, this kind of immersive environment um, for children to be in digitally, where they can learn those soft skills, that critical thinking, the analysis skills, the questioning of content, um, the the empathy, um, etc. It's a it's rather like a school saying, "Yep, yeah, we teach swimming, we teach swimming, we teach them all the strokes. We don't have a swimming pool, 
but we do teach them all the strokes so that when they do get to the swimming pool, they'll know exactly what to do. We all know that you can only learn how to swim by being in the water. And I think that, you know, because children are using and are used to using technology outside of schools, we would love to think that they're all going home and pulling on welly boots and running outside into the garden for three hours, but they're not for the main part and uh, children are going home they're spending time on on screens and so they have a right to learn um the necessary skills um in in a way and and we all know as educators that when it comes to technology um the 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 it's the right tool for the job um that that makes the difference and creates that impact Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, really like the swimming analogy on that one. It's made a lot of sense. If you're teaching online safety, obviously you need that safe platform online so they can be really practicing the, those skills in a, in a safe environment. Um, just a final question, Caroline. Um, so you started to touch on it there, I think, in your last answer. But how can schools work in partnership with parents to really promote this online safety and kind of stop the issues kind of overspilling into the day? Because often as an educator, you might have to deal with something that's happened online outside of school what what can we do to work to work more in partnership to, to do a preventative approach to, to these situations i think um i mean that triangular approach is really key um again to go back to how how we work in early years and how we work in key stage one where there's an expectation that um you know parents will it, if we want children to be great readers that reading book is going home every day and we hope that, that parents then will, you know, find a, a, a minute or two to go through that reading book with their child to reinforce the learning and to um, share similar messaging. And we know that that is a long used approach. Um, and the, the way that, that schools garner that support from, from um, parents is to raise the profile and importance of it within school. So, you know, the, 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 the bringing home of the reading book is, is a, you know, it's an important factor of, of starting school. And, and I think it's important that schools continue to raise the profile of uh, digital literacy, online safety, digital citizenship, um, and online vulnerability um, so that um, parents feel um, that it needs to be embedded in there, in there every every day. I mean, I, and, and I think um, when we're spending so much of our lives on screen or online or connected in some way, um, it's important. It, it's just so important that we um, teach children the how um, and not just expect them to be in those spaces. So. In terms of, of including parents, um, we, we get a great response. We do termly uh, parent webinars around online safety. And again, we're coming to parents and saying, don't worry, you don't have to know every single game that your child is on to keep them safe. Um, let's just talk about simple things that you can do at home. For example, removing automatic access. Um, of of children being online um, and creating the same way that you would if you had sweets in a cupboard in your kitchen um, you know most children realize that they don't have automatic access to as many sweets as they want from the cupboard it's a it's it goes through a simple request 
can I have a suite? Can I use the internet? Can I go online? So that there's a conversation that comes around, oh, sure, what, what will you be doing? How long are you going to need? Are you going to be chatting to anyone? You know, you, you start to build up a dialogue around taking interest in what our children are doing online um, as opposed to, oh, I don't know what they're doing and, and kind of head in the sand and, and hoping that, that they'll be okay. Um, but I think that until schools give, um, have the confidence to share, you know, um, simple advice that can make a massive difference um, and again with the with the onslaught of, of AI um, I think it's really it's really key that we give that we give schools the opportunity and the tools and the knowledge and the confidence um, to to really raise the profile of online safety. Historically, um, online safety has been something that's been tagged on to spring two or, oh, well, we do a week around Safer Internet Day. Well, in the same way that you wouldn't teach reading, um, you know, just once in a year or maybe a couple of times across the year it's something that's worked on continually and when you think that we're asking children to engage with technology on a daily basis um that's how we all live now then of course the safety aspect should be woven in across the timetable across the curriculum and really a part of of everyday school life whether it's Oh, in a celebration assembly, let's have a digital, let's have a digital reward. You know, let's really praise digital citizenship. Let's uphold role models for um, giving advice to younger children um, so that you've got digital leaders in your in your school. Um, but that, are, again, are not just celebrated, you know, once or twice a year, but that are what, what great things happened online for you this week um, so that it's part of a, a you know, an, an everyday occurrence. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you um, and hopefully speak to you again soon. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Leaders Podcast. Join us again for more SLT and subject leadership conversations and follow Twinkle SLT and Twinkle Subject Leads on our socials.